Lots of awesome stuff going on at Valley Real Life. We want to make sure that you're aware of. I'm so glad that you're here. And those who are online, once again, thanks for being a part of what God is doing here. Hey, uh, for those of you online, I have an announcement specifically that is just for you. We have been doing online for a little over a year and a few months now. And we uh, got to go on site to online in 48 hours. And we need to know if we're doing it well. We need to know some feedback. And so there is a survey we'd like you to fill out, vrl.com church slash online survey. And so if you could just take just a moment, just five simple questions that will give us some understanding of where we need to kind of go and grow in the future. We really want to do an amazing job with this. And so if you could just take some time. In fact, if those of you who are, you know, seated here today, if you've been watching online, write this down, you know, and uh, fill this out as well, because it just gives some feedback as we continue to move forward, knowing that this way of connecting to God through services is not going away. So I just want to thank you ahead of time for being able to do that. Secondly, uh, next week, I am so excited to be able to announce to you that uh, our former lead pastor, Nathan Rector, will be coming here to speak once again. And so we're excited about him. Those of you guys not had a chance to hear from him, he's a gifted, you know, teacher, an incredible man of God, you know, oversees his family. God did an amazing work through him through the five years that he was here. So those of you who are online, you can see him face to face on site Thursday or Sunday morning. For those of you who will be here, you know, on site. I want to make sure you get a chance to be able to connect with him, especially those of you who know him. And so that'll be next week. Lastly is, as you know, two weeks ago, we took a special offering for Pave the Way. And Pave the Way is going to go towards us theming out our kids area, us uh, building an indoor play area uh, for us to expand the lobby and literally to pave a road that actually then leaves from this place onto Henry Road as you would come and you would leave. And so we threw this out to, out to you guys, and as of today, over $190,000 has been designated towards Pave the Way. Can we just praise God for that? Isn't that amazing? So, so excited. What a, what a great start. As you know, we've got a goal of $500,000, and so this will continue to go on, and so in the next days or weeks, or if you've been gone, we, and God has put this on your heart to be able to give above and beyond, please do so. You can find that on our website. It still says Mother's Day 2021, and so we want to encourage you to continue to be a part of that, and we'll remind you periodically over the next year as things kind of come up for opportunities to be able to give. Now today, uh, we begin a series that I've been pretty giddy about for a while called Sensing God. Sensing God. This past summer, each summer, I, I'm gone from Valley Real Life on the weekends for about four to six weekends in a row where I'm studying, preparing, and praying, and seeking God as it pertains to the vision and direction and the sermons in which God is calling us to be a part of uh, in the coming year. Well, last year, you know, I came across a verse in the Bible that I've heard that I've read many times, but for some reason, God had me stop in my tracks as I reread this verse again because it it doesn't make a lot of sense if you stop and think about it. Here's what it says in Psalms 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. In our American mindset, uh, we might say that's a mistranslation. It should read, hear and understand, or take in and apply. 
But have you ever thought about one of the ways that we're actually supposed to experience the goodness of God is through the senses in which he's given us to be able to connect to him both physically as well as spiritually, which I'll explain in just a moment. Taste and see the goodness of God or that the Lord is good. Now, God created us, as you know, with five senses, right? The five senses are to hear, see, taste, touch, and smell. Now, I'm fully aware that based on disability or based on certain ages or accidents, that sometimes people lose one of these senses, or at least it gets diminished over time. I'm also aware that even if you have lost or never had one of these senses or began to lose one of them, that it's interesting how God wired us for some of the other senses to go into overdrive. And so maybe someone who can't see can hear at a different level than you and I can actually hear. And so it's fascinating that God has kind of wired us in our bodies this past way. Now, I remember it was just this past Christmas Eve. And it was Christmas Eve, and I woke up in the morning. My wife woke me up, and she says, Dan, I have been trying my coffee, and I can't taste it. She goes, then I uh, grabbed some peppers and some lemons, and I can't smell them. She goes, Dan, I cannot taste or smell. And what did that mean? She had COVID, right? That's exactly what that meant. It was the one definable distinction that you knew before you were tested that you had probably a 90 or 95% positivity rate if you all of a sudden lost your ability to taste and smell. Now, it's interesting in our household, uh, it got a little bit worse for the rest of the family because it was about four days later, she was kind of coming back from some of the fatigue, but she was trying to make her famous guacamole. And she said, Dan, I need you to taste this because I can barely taste the lemon. So I grabbed a nice little spoonful because she just adds a little bit of lemon into her special thing just to make it add an extra flavor. And she goes, I can't taste it. I took a spoonful. All I tasted was lemon. I didn't even know there was actually avocado in there anymore. And I had that sour face. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the worst guacamole ever. She goes, I'm so sorry, I can't taste anything. And I'm like, it's not your fault. Nobody's blaming you. It's just terrible. And we just, just need to be honest. It's just, it's just awful. Now today, we're going to focus on sensing God with our sight. Sensing God with our sight. See, we see the world from a certain perspective, which is ours. We see the world. Can we agree on that? That we see the world from our perspective. Now, our perspective is typically based on our family of origin, our country in which we're raised in, our class, our education, our resources, our experiences in life, and yes, our race can all impact our perspective. And oh, we are all so certain that our perspective is the right one. We're actually defined by that. I know I am, and you're wrong. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation when it comes to perspective. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a perspective based on all the things I've mentioned, but have you ever thought for a second, what if you were born in a different country? What would your perspective of the world be? What if you were born in Africa? What if you were born in Australia? What if you were born in China? So here's what I want you to do as one way to be able to experience how your perspective may change just by experiencing something different. Next week, sit somewhere different. 
Okay, most of you who call Valley Real Life your home, or if you're watching online, watch in a different location or from a different device. Sit somewhere different. I'm talking about flip-flopping, not just two seats down, but most of you are very creatures of habit. And if you were to come in and sit somewhere else, you will see things that you've never seen before. You will see sides of people's faces that you didn't even know they had. It's absolutely astounding. Let me take it a step further. As you leave here, or as you leave your home, if you're watching online, take it a different route, one that you've never taken to work or to school, and see how your perspective changes. Take a walk in a different direction and see what you then see for maybe even the first time. It's absolutely amazing. It's like when I went to uh, uh, the doctor's office, I'm a optometrist, when I was a junior in high school, and uh, I didn't realize how bad my eyesight was. And then all of a sudden he gave me contact lenses, and I walked outside, and I was like, I can't believe how much color there is. I can't believe the details that there's actually leaves on trees instead of just this blob of green, you know, that's not too far away. I could not believe how quickly and how easily I could see things that I had never seen before just because I had a different lens on, a different lens. See, what we choose to focus on is actually what we'll see, right? What we choose to focus on is what you see. You've heard the proverbial, is the glass half empty or half full? Raise your hand if the glass is half empty. Raise your hand if the glass is half full. Okay, put it in the chat if you say one way or another. It really depends on what you're focused on. Or just as good example is the one I want to show you right now. It's a little test I want you to take. Go ahead and check this out with me now. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? And that's fascinating because, again, it proves the point. What you focus on is actually what you and I will see. Another way to say this is we are blinded by our own perspective. By the way, that'll tweet. We are blinded by our own perspective. How many of you ladies, when looking in the mirror, only focus on your imperfections? How many of you guys or men only see how you or your employees at work are not measuring up and the mistakes that you make? How many of you who are teenagers or children only focus on your failures instead of your successes? In fact, in couples counseling, when things are not going well, it's usually a focus issue that then speeds up how things are not going well. Once you begin to mistrust someone else, your focus becomes on their intent. Your focus becomes on reading what is not there in order to try to build a case for what you believe is true, and it begins to spiral in a marriage. You see, God wants to open our eyes so that we can see the world, not from our perspective, but we can see the world from his perspective. It changes everything. 
In fact, one of the best examples of this is in the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 6, it started in verse 8, we read about a king. The king was named Aram, and he kept trying to attack Israel. He had all his army generals and people together, and they kept trying to attack and defeat Israel. But the problem is Israel found out the plans all the time before he was able to attack. And so he began to think that there was a traitor amongst their people, which obviously there's no way that Israel would know until one of the people in the room said, it's not us, we're not the traitors. There's this prophet that's in Israel named Elisha, and it's like Elisha is in our own meetings, and every time we have a plan, he goes and tells Israel. And so the king gets furious and says, well, tell me, where is Elisha right now? And they said, Elisha is at a place called Dotham. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city of Dothan in order to capture and thus kill Elisha. And this is where we pick it up in 2 Kings chapter 6. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, picture this, and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. What are we going to do? We're going to die. Look at everything that's in front of us. Look what's taking place. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had and gone through a disaster, pain, suffering, stress, anxiety, heartache? What you see is what you focus on and what you focus on begins to consume our world. But there might be another perspective, even though what you see is disaster, what you see is stress, what you see is anxiety, what you see is pain and hardship, that there might be something more significant that's going on. It's almost like when you put on one of those VR headsets, virtual reality. Have you ever done that? Put on a virtual reality headset and you enter literally into another world and you are consumed and you believe that that world is the true world, yet there is something more real that's going on that's hard for you to grasp because your eyesight has convinced your brain you're in some other dimension. Don't believe me? Check this out. Okay. No. No. Wait, it wants me to walk on this? What? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Wait, I'm like actually sweating. No! no. <laughs> I know nothing's there. Why does it feel so real? Just run right off of it. No! No! Inch by inch, just little baby steps. Do it. Do it. Walk Not off sure. the plank? Do it. Oh, man. Am I gonna fall off just one inch at a time. to my death? <laughs> oh my gosh! every time. Uh, thank you, Noah, you know, for that. He literally fell down thinking he was going to fall. Why? Because his eyesight convinced his brain and his body that what he was seeing was true. For you in my, in my life and our lives, you might feel like you're falling that you're failing, that you're in a sickness or disease, but God may see something else that you can't see at the time. 
He might see that you're actually growing, that you're learning, that you're actually reaching, you're modeling him to others on not the mountaintop, but maybe even in the valley. There's a perspective that sees one thing, but from a different vantage point, you and I can see something completely different. Elisha is about to blow the servant's mind out of the water. Because what he sees is one thing, and what Elisha sees is something completely different. Elisha has God's perspective on the situation. The servant only has the disaster that's in front of him. That's all he sees. And so we read this, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. If you get nothing else out of our conversation, That would be my prayer. That that would be my prayer for you, and that would be my prayer for me. God, open my eyes and let me truly see. Open my eyes to see your work, your power, your influence, your goodness, your love. Let me see you. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that on the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then it gets hilarious because he walks out there and says, who are you looking for? Oh, I'm looking for this prophet. Oh, you're in the wrong place. And he actually takes them to the nation of Israel. They're completely blind and then their eyes are open and they're captured. Awesome. It's an awesome perspective and it's an awesome reality that God wants us to walk away with from this conversation. How do we see God? How do we see things from his perspective? Here's some ways to walk out of here or to leave online and experience God, the goodness of who he is based on what you can see physically as well as spiritually. See, first, here's where you can start. Creation allows us to see the creator. Creation allows us to see the creator. Have you ever seen God in creation? Have you ever seen him in a beautiful sunset? Like this is a sunset, you know, that I've seen that it's just like, oh my goodness. I mean, you can't even do it justice by seeing it in a picture if you've ever seen a beautiful sunset. Maybe you've been to the Grand Canyon and you saw the Grand Canyon. You're like, there's a reason why it's called the Grand Canyon. And again, pictures just don't do it justice. More locally in Glacier, you know, National Park, how about the road to the sun? The road to the sun. Have you ever been able to, to, to drive that highway? I feel like I'm in Lord of the Rings. It was epic. Absolutely awesome. You know, or even if I look in our own backyard, you know, you think about the church and as you come in and where God has placed this place is not just beautiful because of where we're around, but it's beautiful as you look around and you see the beauty of the Lord. And it calls us to recognize that there is a creator. There's no way this happens by accident. And maybe the most beautiful picture that you could see is this next one. (laughs) That's right, getting kissed by a dolphin. There ain't much more beauty than that, folks. I'll just tell you that, you know, right now. But really, if you start thinking about looking at a newborn baby, a child, or another human being, if anybody's ever, ever asked the question, I wonder what God looks like. He looks like you. He looks like me. How do I know? Because we are created in the image of God. When you look at fellow humanity, you're actually looking at what God literally looks like. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. 
In fact, Romans 1.20 says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities. His eternal power and his divine nature, they have no excuse for not knowing God. Why? Because he shows himself even through creation. When we see nature, we don't worship nature. We worship the one who created it. That's what's amazing. But our eyes are truly opened And we really see when we accept Christ, when you and I accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it opens our eyes and allows us to see a different kingdom than the one that we're actually living in today. John 3, 3, Jesus is having a conversation with a religious leader named Nicodemus, and Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. To be born again is to receive Christ. And to begin to follow him. Or in John chapter 14, you know, Jesus tells his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If you want to know what God looks like, take a look at Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. If you want to know what God is, want to know how he acts, want to know how he lives, look at Jesus and you'll see which then anyone who's seen me has seen the Father, which reminds us that we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. We've got to fix our eyes on him to help us keep focused on his perspective and not just the one that we're seeing. I think it was about one week into the pandemic, you know, when we, things shut down, all that kind of stuff, we didn't know what was going on, that I was doing, started doing the online devotionals. And the, one of the very first ones we did was the story of Peter walking on water. Because what was taking place is that Jesus was walking on water, and as he comes upon his disciples, there's this massive storm, and there's wind and waves, and they're freaking out because they're like, it's a ghost. And Jesus is like, no, it's me. And so Peter, love Peter, says, if it's you, then tell me to come out to you. Like, really, Peter? That's all it took? And he says, yeah, come on out to me. And Peter steps out of the boat and he begins to walk on water. And then the Bible says, but as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus and noticed the wind and the waves, the disaster around him, he immediately sank. See what takes place there? Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. It hinders us from seeing. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do this? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. This has been a theme I hope that you've heard from us for the last 18 months. And I'm begging you, if you're a follower of Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus. Not the news, not the government, not social media, not the stock market, not COVID updates. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There's a pandemic but we should keep our eyes on Jesus. There are school closures and the loss of events and experiences. So what do we do? We keep our eyes on Jesus. There's racial tension. 
What do we do? We keep our eyes on Jesus. There's political differences in parties. Now say it with me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There's trouble in your marriage. What do you do? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Louder. There's depression or anxiety that you're facing. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You're going through economic hardship. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There's uncertainty in the future. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There's persecution, famine, sickness, and anything else that's bad that comes your way. What are we supposed to do? Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's how we sense God. In fact, I am so humbled by so many of you who in the midst of all of these things, you've not put your trust and not put your focus and your eyes on anything but Jesus. One of the people that's probably humbled me the most, it's been a guy on our staff who literally lost half of his eyesight over the last year and a half. I want you to hear Steve's perspective as we hear from him now. I started this whole COVID season knowing I'm going into open heart surgery to repair this aortic aneurysm. And I trust our medical, you know, professionals here thinking, well, what could go wrong? They're going to go in. They're just going to open my chest up. You know, the doctor's going to hold my heart in his hands and he's going to cut out my aorta and put a new one in. And, and he did. I remember late that night waking up. He's like, well, how are you feeling? And I was like, well... I, I can't see like in this area over here. And he goes, well, you know, we'll get some fluids in you and, you know, see how you feel in the morning. And I never thought twice about it. And finally, the next day, my doctor comes in and he goes, you know, I think you might have had a stroke uh, during surgery. And as a result, you have this thing called bilateral hemianopsia that the left half of your vision in each eye is gone. And you know, there's, there's not history of that being restored. You're just gonna go through life without that. A couple months after my surgery, I had a medical appointment and, you know, of course I can't drive now because I don't have enough field of vision to drive. And so my wife dropped me off. When I got done, I walked down to Dick's Hamburgers. I'm, I'm sitting there, I know I have a while before my wife's gonna come pick me up. And, and there's a homeless guy sitting right on the corner of third and division. And then I'm watching cars pass him and people diverting their eyes, people speeding up, people rolling up their windows. I could tell people locking their doors because this homeless guy is just standing there on the corner. God really taught me at that moment of, Steve, who do you stop for? That's what Jesus did in scripture. He did it with Zacchaeus. He did it with Bartimaeus. And there's two words that are used in both those stories. It says, Jesus stopped. God, I don't want to be so busy that I, I forget people. I don't want to be so task-driven that I forget people. And, and one thing this has done is, is it's caused me just to slow down. It's like, God, I want to have your eyes. I want to see people the way you see them. And I feel like in, in this moment, that's just what God's doing is he's giving me new eyes to see that I'm not so dependent on the physical eyes, but I'm trying to see people with spiritual eyes. Uh, Helen Keller has famously said this, so I'd rather be blind and not be able to see than to see and have no vision. How do we see people? As we keep our eyes on Jesus, I, want, I need you to understand this very clearly. God wants the world to see Jesus through you. 
He wants the world to see Jesus through us. See, people see God when we spend time with him. Do you understand that? There's something different. There's something, you know, uh, amazing that begins to happen in your life. As you spend time with Christ, you begin to be changed. In Exodus chapter 34, we know Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments. And in verse 29, it says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. Guys, you know exactly where I'm going with this. When you and I spend time with Jesus, people can see it. They're like, we don't know what it is, but we can see something different in you based on how you talk, based on how you act, based on how you interact, based on how you love. Which gets us to the next point. People see God when we love each other. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. God is seen through us when we love each other. People see God when we serve other people. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus tells us, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on its stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Don't miss this. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. For all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Not that we would get the praise, but when we do good deeds, I understand we're not supposed to know what our left hand, to know what our right hand is doing. That's a different passage. It's not about what we do. It's about why we do it. Because when we do things and other people see, we get a chance to bring glory to God and they see God based on those good, good deeds. So as we close, will you choose to see life through God's perspective. I don't know what you're going through online right now. I don't know what you're going through in your life, but I do know there's been so many ups and downs this last number of months, and I don't think it's going to get any easier for some of us. So where are our eyes? And again, it's more than just physical. Where is our focus? What do we see? Are we fixing our eyes on him and are we are shining our light for him to a world that desperately needs him? Do you want to see God? As we close, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind, man, blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of the crowd going past, he asked what was happening. So they told him, Jesus, the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. But he shouted louder, David, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered the man be brought to him. As the man came near him, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see and Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Notice that it wasn't just a physical response because instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. What an opportunity that we have to see that the Lord is good. And in that scene, we can shine a light for him in a way that others can see who God is and then have their eyes truly opened so they too can follow him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much.
for our time together. And I pray, Father, that you would just lead right now our heart and our decision. And if, I'm, if you're watching online, I just pray right now that you would just open your heart, open your eyes to see the truth and to say, Jesus, I want to see you. And if you're in the room, I pray that you pray that same prayer. Jesus, I want to see you. Open my eyes to your perspective. Help me to see the world through your eyes and to see my experiences and the situations at hand through your lens. I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we close, we're going to be singing about this very subject. And as we sing, I want to invite you whether you're watching online, that you would put that in the chat, that you made a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you're here in the room, as you're going to be willing to head to the cross, and Steve would love to talk to you about that decision. He would love to be the one to pray a prayer with you to help your eyes to be open to the spiritual realities of what God wants to do in your life. Maybe you're going through something difficult or something hard. Go to the cross. Steve would love to talk to you about that. For the rest of us, why don't we stand and we understand we're going to see a victory in him. Why don't we stand together?